So we finally arrive at episode nine of the Cineworld Staff podcast. And normally, I guess when it gets to a film, Tris, number nine is is where we stop. But uh, we are not planning on that for this, are we? Uh, no, no. We were discussing things a little bit earlier. Um, I think at, at the end of this, we will confirm that we may be taking a week hiatus, potentially. But uh, there will be more podcasts coming down the tube. Um, but yeah, I mean, episode nine, Star Wars saw fit to wrap things up with that so uh, is this our rise of skywalker is this going to be one that ultimately people are really really anticipating but might be slightly disappointed with well <laughs> if it's anything <laughs> like rise of skywalker it's definitely going to get mixed reviews but oh, uh, no. we'll, we'll wait and see um i can't yeah. handle that kind of rejection no i'm good i'm good <laughs> you work in film mate we've got to accept it um yeah, we are going to take a little break. We're going to do these every two weeks now, uh, just to kind of give a little bit of uh, a gap so that there's kind of more more film news for us to report on and, you know, more information for us to give. Um, and I think, you know, even once we get to probably towards the end of August, we might even go to once a month. But, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see if there's demand out there and people want us to carry on doing this on a weekly basis basis then of course let us know but i think that every two weeks uh feels like the the right thing to be doing now anyway so yeah. and it, to be fair just sorry just to add to that Stu, is that um I, I know quite a few people have been like maybe not emailing but private messaging or dropping messages on social media saying they're enjoying it but there's quite a few people who i think are a few podcast recordings behind mm. uh so for those of you who have, have listened to the previous eight and are right with us here now great but there are some people who are maybe a, a couple behind or uh, like i think donna a couple of weeks ago was was only halfway through them so yeah. we want to give people the chance to maybe catch up uh, so you if we as we've done before reference some of the other previous podcasts you actually know what we're talking about and it it doesn't sound like gibberish to uh, to the listeners i'd imagine it might that most, gibberish to us anyway but <laughs> i was gonna say most of what you and i talk about is gibberish anyway tris so i wouldn't worry about it Film gibberish, um, we love it <laughs> it's been a busy busy kind of week hasn't it we record these on a thursday yeah um, and then we make them we put them out live on a friday and last week i know that we were talking about you know cinema open dates of potentially on july 4th uh, obviously that was all dependent on tenor moving or staying uh, and then like last friday night there was quite a few announcements so i'll kind of address them real quickly and then we'll kind of go into our weeks and how we uh, what we've been watching what we've been up to uh, so tenor is the big one that got uh, announced that it was moving to july 31st so just moving two weeks uh, but it has a little bit of a knock-on effect um, at the moment, uh, we made Cineworld made an announcement on Tuesday. Uh, they sent all of their staff an email um, first thing on Tuesday morning, uh, and then it was put out into the press about three or four hours later that we would be opening our cinemas on Friday, the 10th of July. Uh, so that kind of is it's nice to have that date in place. And Tenet feels like that's that's now locked in. I think for me, Tenet will stay on the 31st. Uh, Warner's announced that they were going to allow uh, Inception to play in cinemas from the 17th. Uh, and then there will be a bit of a prologue about uh, Tenet on that uh, and maybe a couple of new trailers for other films that Warners have got coming up, which would be quite nice. Um, gives it kind of a, a nice reason for people to go and watch it if they want to. Uh, but it's good to have uh, the date in place. I feel like July 10, hopefully he's locked in. I think that Mulan is going to be the first film on the 24th of uh, July but in fairness once everyone probably listens to this tomorrow uh, Mulan would have moved and then everything changes again <laughs> but uh, you, you know you have to trust the system and hope that uh, Mulan stays on the 24th but if it does move then potentially I guess uh, that opening date does push back a week but mm -hmm. right now you know film wise we are getting back to 
um, work from the start of July and looking at lineups. And certainly over the last week, that's what I've been doing and, you know, looking at bringing back new films. And I can tell you that um, we're going to be bringing back things like the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, films like Goodfellas that I've never seen, uh, films like Shawshank Redemption that I've never seen. Uh, back You'll to be the... able to watch them in the cinema, Stu. Uh, that's why I'm bringing them back. Any film that I've not seen is coming back. <laughs> Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is coming back. Godfather 1 and 2, Apocalypse Now, all of them, Tris. They're coming back. All, all the Ip Man films. So uh, John Perry is going to be visiting all of them. us. To be, clear, to be clear to everyone, though, it is only up to the point where I said uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> the rest of the films we said after that, that they're not coming back. But we are also... Not yet. Bringing... Not yet. <laughs> but we are also going to bring back Back to the Future 1, 2 and 3, which is oh, uh, quite a nice touch as well for everyone. And as a super special treat, we are going to bring back The Empire Strikes Back, which is obviously the number five in the Star Wars trilogy or number two, depending on which way around you watch them. Yeah, we're celebrating to its late. 40th anniversary this year as well. So that. Yeah, for me, that's that's absolutely amazing that that's been confirmed. So, uh, sorry, uh, excited geek moment there. No, it's all good. You know, we there's a few of us that have celebrated our fortieth uh, anniversaries this year, Tris. So it's uh, <laughs> it's a nice thing to to share that um, tradition with. Yeah. So, like I said, it's kind of gearing up now. We're getting closer to opening. Um, I think that the stipulations are going to be announced soon by the government, and you know we, we have to make sure that we are safe and everything like that when we open. But uh, our ops team have been working hard with the HR team to make sure that all the rules are in place, and you know we will be safe when we do reopen, and the staff will uh, will get the training that they need, and you know I think the customers and the staff will both feel safe when we open, um, and you know the first two weeks obviously are going to be a bit quiet, but once we get to Mulan and to Tenet uh, and then once we do get towards September, there are so many films uh, like, you know, I think that you'll, uh, you'll be a little disappointed that Wonder Woman moved from uh, August the 14th to October the 2nd. Um, but again, it feels like the right move. It feels like it then, you know, gives it a little bit even more further time. And, you know, August now feels like it is all about Tenet, uh, Mulan and SpongeBob. Um, and then we'll kind of go a little bit later on where Bill and I'm, Ted come out. I'm, and, so and Bill and Ted. Ted. It, August is still also about Bill and Ted for some people. Maybe not yeah. you, but yeah. No, no. You're, you're right. I mean, I, I'd rather Wonder Woman and other films just move rather than go the other route, which is, yeah, going to streaming services. And hopefully that's going to start to peter out a bit now because um, everyone in the industry is, is, you know, they're getting those uh, gears cranking and working and, and we are now heading towards what feels like a fixed date. So yeah. um, I think, uh, although obviously we've spoken about this quite a bit on our podcast, it's brilliant now to feel like it's real. And again, to use a euphemism, it's like the end of that tunnel. We can see that light and we can all sort of mm. say, this is the date and and yeah like the big ones fingers crossed Mulan won't shift and that's the big first big film on the 24th uh then like you say Stu uh, we go into that August period when it's summer holidays and um people hopefully just going to be so excited and just chomping at the bit to come back to the cinemas but uh yeah it's great that all our staff are going to get training everyone's going to have all the new procedures and safety uh inspection things all in place but I really hope that as well that when the customers come along they need to work just as hard as we do to ensure everybody's safety, you know, so um, definitely they it's... will come back and, and they'll be happy to come back. But uh, but being safe. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So, like I said, very busy uh, week for us. In, or mm. Sorry, certainly for me 
in terms of getting lineups sorted ready for when we do open but yeah big big week for us um and like i say um july 10 is going to be our new open date unless of course moulin moves and i think then we'll just have to revisit it might get another tweet by a week but fingers crossed it doesn't so that is the week in news uh tris what have you been watching this week tell us okay well you know i feel a little bit bad i've certainly not been doing as much work as you but i have been watching loads of stuff um you you are on furlough so it is okay okay that's okay Yeah, but I, I, furlough just sounds like a, a a bad swear word to me. It's like, you know, I do enjoy my work and I do enjoy being involved with stuff. So the past three months has been tricky. But um, mm. what's also been tricky, apparently, this, the last three months, of course, is uh, all the enforced social distancing that changed on Saturday when the creation of bubbles were made. And announced the social bubbles. The social yeah. bubbles. The social bubbles are here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the last uh, few days, very happy that my Claire's been up uh, to visit. And um, we there's a particular TV show that we watch called CSI, uh, Crime Scene Investigation. Uh, it's quite an I'm old I'm glad one. That you pointed that out for people that didn't know what CSI stood for as well. That's good. Yeah, some people might not. Some no, people, people need not. that in their lives. It's good. I'm, I'm saying well done. It's good. Okay. Oh, I don't know. It feels like maybe you're doing one of those well done as in your... I've just patronised people accidentally, which I don't mean to do, and you're I kind of bringing me up on it. I never you do that. Do. You do it all the time. Not my voice is going high. That's how incredulous it all is. <laughs> anyway, excited. CSI, I won't, I'm, I'm getting all excited. Uh, CSI, uh, and I'll stop it right there. Uh, <laughs> um, set in Las Vegas, I think the series first uh, premiered like, wow, 20 years ago in the year 2000, I'm pretty sure that first season. It's something that I enjoyed in the noughties uh, and, and re-watching again is absolutely fantastic. So um, managed to get through an entire half a season, season three all watched and then into the first disc of uh, season four. So uh, for those of you who know it's Crime Scene Investigation, but might not know too much about it, uh, it is about uh, Gil Grissom and his team of forensic evidence experts uh, working with their lab teams and with the police in Las Vegas and they're investigating all kinds of uh, cases and weird deaths and weird scenarios and they use evidence gathered to either prove somebody innocent prove somebody guilty or sometimes just to figure out what the heck went on um if anyone has watched the show then you're probably very au fait with it i think it's brilliant uh, it was very very um uh, when, when it first dropped in 2000 in the first few seasons everyone was talking about it because they actually use real techniques used by real people in working in forensics in real life um to and every other few weeks they'd bring in a new procedure that was brand new and up to date and that's what, what was so fascinating about the show um have you ever seen csi or any of the spin-offs like miami or new york or no but i feel like after you described it to me i feel like i have you feel like all right great okay my descriptive <laughs> powers but uh, it, it is brilliant uh, even though like i say it's quite an old show now and uh, it, it's great and it's got a good selection of actors great characters uh, and some wonderfully imaginative um yeah crime scenes as well because you're spending the episode yourself thinking how did that happen so it was great so love that uh watched a couple more mcu films doctor strange and uh, thor ragnarok watched Thor, yeah which is yeah which is the best thor out of all of them thor in the comics is not really a very funny comic book but yet somehow uh you know the director managed to make thor ragnarok absolutely dramatic and also comedic as well. Um, but also there's a set of films that uh, Claire had never seen before. Um, we, I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and so is she, but also um, I'd seen The Hobbits and you have, and we're kind of disappointed when they came out, but she'd never seen them. It was like a situation with you and Frankie of like, what, you've never seen these films? It's crazy, it's- isn't it? When you find out the person that you're closest to in life hasn't seen something and you're like, 
no, this is not exactly. real. How did I agree to be with you if I <laughs> Well, I kind of knew that, but she reminded me of it. I was like, oh, well, here's a perfect opportunity. But I said to her, look, look, watch the first one, Unexpected Journey. It's three hours long, and it's quite slow and dull, and it, it takes its time to get going, unfortunately. And that's always been the problem for me, even when I've rewatched it. Um, but I have to say, yeah. re-watching them again, I did two on Tuesday, and then we did um, Battle of the Five Armies on Wednesday. And I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, this is like, I don't know, six or seventh time I've seen them um but first time Claire's mm. watched them she absolutely thought they were great and and thought you know just almost as good as lord of the rings because she's like i say big lord of the rings fan as am i um but uh, yeah i don't yeah. think they're quite on that quality that level personally oh but, no, but, no, no, but no no she no, loved no. martin uh, freeman as the young bilbo baggins and i have to say he is superb although again in that third one it, it becomes all about the the dwarves and the the five armies having the fight and even though it's called the hobbit you he gets knocked out at one point i was like yeah he goes missing in his own film for half an hour so uh, uh i feel he's done a disservice in that third one but it's a little bit like the arsenal football <laughs> thing <laughs> hey! mark addy's gonna right. love you <laughs> chris it's all right i'm gonna edit that bit out oh no way. you should keep that in does everyone yeah you should because everyone i think everyone knows that you're a spurs fan they're gonna get it they're gonna get it oh thanks for bringing that up yeah yeah, okay Anyway, films. Talk yes. about films. Talk anyway, about films. Uh, yeah, well, we can talk about football later if you fancy. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of, a couple of cracking films that I've uh, not seen for a while. I love spoof films. I, uh, you know, Airplane, Naked Gun, those kind of things. But there's a couple of films that have kind of been forgotten in the ether. Uh, the first one of which is called The Big Bus. And it's from 1976. It predates Airplane by four years. Uh, yet it's absolutely fantastic. It's a, a spoof. Uh, a P-take of all those disaster movies in the late 60s, early 70s, like Earthquake, uh, Poseidon Adventure, The Hindenburg, all those kind of films that have a big all-star cast. You don't know who's going to survive till the end, and they're slap-bang in the middle of a disaster. Well, the, the the first thing about this is that it's it's a bus. But it's not just any old kind of bus. It's this two-tiered, uh, two-sectioned, uh, big big bus, in fact, with a D- d- double decker bus. Double decker bus. It's it's got a it's got an own bar with a lounge lizard on the top deck. It's got a swimming pool. It's got a bowling alley. That that's the kind. Of, yeah, what? that's the kind of tongue in cheek, cheek humor that the film's got. And it's got a new. It's got an engine at the back which is nuclear powered. So it's it's all these Brilliant. wonderful spoof elements. But here's the thing, Lester. Watching it again. Bearing in mind this is 1976. There's no CGI. There's no modern film techniques they built the actual bus and when they're shooting the scenes um the story is that this thing is going on its initial journey from new york to denver non-stop which is funny in itself because buses have always run non-stop between them but that's one of the jokes in the film and it's its inaugural uh run but there's been this shady organization that's been trying to sabotage it for nefarious reasons and so with it being a disaster film spoof all these things start going wrong before the bus even leaves and then when the bus comes out it it, it plays it comes out to the tune um very famous from 2001 so you know that theme music of the and the big drums like going bong 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you did it because I wouldn't have recognised it. And then when you started, I thought you were doing Star Wars. <laughs> but yes, no, I I do know that. I wasn't actually about. expecting to sing a little bit of theme tune there. So uh, apologies to anyone who I might have offended your ears by that. But you people have seen. I'd imagine, yeah, probably. Um, but you you know those who have seen 2001 know the piece of music. So again, part. Of, 
I've not. Of course you haven't. I mean, I'm speaking about people who actually watch films. So the bus comes out, and this thing was actually Fair real, point. and you had like the two actors who were playing the, the driver and the co-driver actually driving it as well. And it's fantastic. Uh, just great fun. Um, you've got people like Stockard Channing in there, Larry Hagman, Ned Beatty, Richard Mullion and Sarah Kellerman, uh, all playing various kind of OTT characters. But, uh, it, you know, it, it's just a great spoof. And at 90 minutes, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Um, and the other one is one of the uh, Zucker Abrams Zucker film spoofs called Top Secret. And this is the one with uh, Val Kilmer. And it's a mashup of World War Two espionage film and the 50s, 60s surfer dude kind of teen films that were all the rage at that time. And it combines the two. And if you've ever watched, you 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 know, mate. You're yeah, exactly. alive. Well, well, I was alive in 1984, and this is the thing: I'd not seen this film since the 80s, but I'd forgot I'd, I'd forgotten how much I remembered. If that sentence even makes any kind of sense, as I was watching, I was thinking, "Oh, I remember that, and I remember that joke." And you know, there's this wonderful section where um, the Foreign Legion, uh, sorry, not the Foreign Legion, the French Resistance are, are introduced, and they're all names like "This is Latrine," "This is Deja Vu," and then Deja Vu turns around and says, "Have we met before?" You know, it's that kind of humour but it makes you giggle. Um, Oh, God, you say. But, you know, there might be some people out there groaning, but um, it's great to see a very young Val Kilmer. This was two years before Top Gun, um, before his career really kicked into high gear. So um, it's uh, both of these are available to uh, stream on a very respectable streaming service, so they're easily accessible. Uh, And if you want just a good giggle for an hour and a half, I would recommend uh, either one of them. Uh, And then the final thing... um, we're going to chat about together because I know that you watched it on the same day that I did. And that was uh, the new big film that's been dropped onto Disney plus, which is Artemis Fowl. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, what I know you've been working a lot Stu, and I'm not going to give you any grief if you've only watched one or two films. I know you've at least watched Artemis Fowl, but what else have, have you been, man, have you been able to catch anything? Have you had a chance to watch any of the films recommended to you over the last few weeks? No, I haven't watched anything that anyone's recommended to me. But I built that up far too much. <laughs> you did a little bit, but I knock it down all the time. It's fine. Um, I have watched, me and um, Frankie have continued watching Star Wars. Uh, so we've watched uh, episode two, three, four, and five now. Um, so we've only got six, seven, eight, nine to go. Um, and I have to say, so it's really different viewing experience watching it in that order going one two three four five six um and i'll tell you why obviously like i said last week frankie hadn't seen any of the star wars or anything like that and so we watched episode one watched episode two and she kept asking me questions like saying what's going to happen to anakin you know is he going to be the one that's you know brings balance to the force and so on and so forth and i'm like just wait and see you know not and until episode three and yes this is a spoiler and if you haven't seen episode three of star wars yet then you're listening to the wrong podcast (laughs) but um if you haven't then there's a there's a moment where um anakin throws mace window out the window and kills him and you know the emperor the emperor palpatine goes uh you know welcome my new apprentice lord vader and when he says and that's the first time he says lord vader and frankie turned to me and she went oh my god is he darth vader (laughs) and i was just like how how have you watched the first two and a half films and you have not realized that in one, two, and three, that there was going to be a character of Lord Vader, Bill, or Darth Vader, built so that it then goes into four, five, and six. And I, I love the fact that that can still exist mm. 
that it's one of the most famous lines in the world where it's like, I am your father, Luke. Um, and, you know, to not have that knowledge that that's still going to happen and be able to watch these films fresh to it, it's just amazing. And like, I loved watching them again um, to be able to see reactions like that. But one of the things that I would say as well is that there was a mention last week, I think Isaac said from Sheffield, your boy, <laughs> said that um, Phantom Menace was his favourite of the series. I'm going to be similarly controversial and say for me, Attack of the Clones is my favourite of the first six. Wow. Now, no, look, listen, here's, here's my case and point. <laughs> okay. It's an incredibly character driven mm. film. First and foremost, it's where Ewan McGregor kind of comes into his own. And I genuinely think that Ewan McGregor <clears throat> is probably, and I know John Jackson will agree with me because he loves him, <laughs> but I think that Ewan McGregor is one of the best things about the entire kind of Star Wars huh? series. I think he's brilliant um, as yes. Obi-Wan, like genuinely, genuinely brilliant as Obi-Wan. Uh, you know, in The Phantom Menace, he doesn't really have a lot to do, but from two and three, he is superb. Yeah. Like and I'd say he's one of the best Star Wars characters. I really, I'd agree with that. I I feel Um, that in the Phantom Menace, he's just trying to be a young Alec Guinness, pretend you know being that character. But in Attack of the Clones, certainly, and then yeah, Revenge of the Sith, he stops trying to do the uh, impersonation and just plays the character. And you're you're right, he does actually become one of the stronger characters. It's just a shame that in the Phantom Menace, I mean, it was his first really big film. He'd only done like things like Train Spotting and uh, Shallow Grave. He'd done smaller British films before that, so this was his first big time in Hollywood. And I think he just yeah. listened to whatever Lucas told him. But the confidence grew, and you're right, you know, he, he is superb. But it's a shame about Phantom Menace, where it's like he's just trying to be. How would Alec Guinness played this if he was 25? You know, and the, the the thing I was most disappointed about is that after Episode Three, the, the next time you see Obi Wan is obviously it's the Alex yeah, Guinness yeah, um, yeah. performance, <laughs> and you're kind of like, oh, that's the end of uh, you know Ewan McGregor's performance. So you're kind of like, ah, oh, but look, don't get me wrong, A New Hope's brilliant. Um, Empire Strikes Back is very very good it's almost as good in my opinion as number two <laughs> um and then i would say new hope um oh but, wow so we've yeah, got a top me, three star wars out of you then awesome yeah that's what i would say for me um i don't know about the, the seven eight and nine because i've not re-watched them again since watching them for the first time so i would need to re-watch them but i would also point out that rogue one i thought was incredible yeah. um and i would have probably put rogue one ahead of um a new hope so, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. strange because that that's actually one of my top three as well so um yeah fantastic mm. but uh, actually just a quick little sidebar though Stu, and i don't know if this has still been worked on but there has been talk of ewan mcgregor coming back to the role of obi-wan to uh, play him in those intervening years since Sith uh, and A New yeah. Hope. Um, I, I've heard rumours that it was going ahead, then folded, then going ahead again. I don't quite know where that is, but you may actually... I'd love Yeah, you may, or we, all of us as Star Wars fans, may get the chance to see those intervening years as, uh, certainly now that as Ewan McGregor's getting older as well himself, he could play that transitional phase of an older Obi-Wan. And maybe even we find mm-hmm. out how he ends up, you know, on Tatooine. Although I think it's kind of covered in the original Star Wars series. He was there to keep an eye on, on Luke anyway. It was Luke. only ever hinted, yeah. but um, I'm sure he's got, there's many more adventures of uh, Obi-Wan still left to be told, I feel. So, uh, Fingers yeah, crossed, indeed. mate. Yeah. Fingers wow, that, that's great. I'm so um, happy you got to see them. So I watched... So what's that? Two, three, four, five. So I watched four Star Wars okay. films. Um, I watched Artemis Fowl, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and then I also watched two films that are coming out in the cinema that I'm not allowed to talk about. 
Um, oh, that's great. But I, I, what, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I was, you know, what? I was thinking about it last night and I was thinking, should I talk about them and actually say what they are? And then I was like, actually, I think I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement to say I haven't seen them. But so I have seen them, but I can't say what they are. Brilliant. But one of them, one of them is very good. Um, and it's a nice little film for our unlimited card holders. Um, and the other one uh, was okay. I, I enjoyed it, but it's not going to go crazy. Neither of them are Tenet or Mulan, to be absolutely clear to everyone. I didn't. <laughs> you heard that, it here, folks. Two not... films coming your way soon. Don't know the titles. Yeah. One of them's okay. One of them's actually all right. Yay. <laughs> in two weeks. In two weeks, I might be able to talk oh. about it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but. So let's talk Artemis Valtris. Obviously, both of us watched it last Friday. Uh, you watched it probably a couple of hours before I did. Um, yeah, I, I watched it in the afternoon. And then I, well, yeah, well, I, I messaged you, didn't I? And I said, yeah. oh, hey. Um, and then I think you well, watched it in the evening. So. Funny, you, funny you should mention that, Tris, because oh. I, I'd like to just read this to the listeners. So Tris and I shared, this was mine and Tristan's text messages to one another about Artemis Fowl <laughs> on Friday night. I think I was quite blunt, wasn't I? <laughs> well, let's see, I think the, let's see what the listeners think. Okay. So uh, you texted me and said, hey, I'm watching Artemis Fowl. And I said, oh, okay, is it any good? I think I'm going to watch it tonight. Your reply, very blunt, no. <laughs> Remember all the flack Judy Dench got for cats? She'll get even more for this. 20 minutes in and OMG, she's just turned up and she's bloody awful. Josh Gad with a fake beard is annoying too. I'm really not enjoying this, Stu. And my reply, oh dear, I guess I'll look forward to that later then. <laughs> uh, at which point, uh, I think I messaged you probably about an hour later and said, is it getting any better? And you put, oh good God, no. It's worse than a wrinkle in time. I know it's less than two hours, but it genuinely never felt so long. I hope there isn't a sequel. I mean, you're being a bit horrible, Tris, but I'll carry on. <laughs> Uh, the film has had over 30 reviews on IMDb already, and they are all pretty much one out of 10. I would concur with those reviews. Kenneth Branagh should be ashamed, but have fun watching it. Uh, so, yeah that, yeah, was, that was pretty much what we had. Now, what I would say is that I wasn't as scathing as, uh, as what you said on yours. But for me, it was a probably a three out of 10 film. Um I didn't love it. I didn't really, really hate it. I've read the first five or six books. So for me, I didn't like it for several reasons. But I'm interested, outside of the reasons that obviously I've just listed, what is it for you that you really did not like this film about? And I will quickly point out, just because it was quite funny and it made me smile, you did call it Artemis Fowl. Um, <laughs> and the foul was F-O-U-L. Um, which I thought was a very clever play on words, Tris. I really enjoyed that part. But tell us why you didn't enjoy Artemis Fowl. Um, okay, well, first of all, I just want to say that when this was on the uh, release uh, dockets uh, over the last few months, I, I was genuinely looking forward to it. Uh, another franchise based on a very popular set of novels and books that are uh, bestsellers and people love this world. I personally have not read the books, but then I'd never read any of the Harry Potters. Absolutely loved the film franchise of Harry Potter. Um, and what I thought was great about Philosopher's Stone is that almost immediately I felt drawn into that world and I was enjoying learning about the characters and I liked what I was watching. It was almost the opposite with Artemis Fowl. I just couldn't get into, first of all, Josh Gad, uh, it's all 
uh, played and told in flashback and he's uh, a prisoner at the start he's arrested and then he's telling the story of this young lad Artemis Fowl um, his dad who's played by Colin Farrell and also called Artemis Fowl he's kidnapped by this weird strange hooded character who i assume is quite a big character from the books yeah uh, she, but... she she comes into it from book two actually so ah, she's not yeah. actually in book one but yeah because you were saying uh, earlier that apparently this film is an amalgamation of it's most of book one and then some of book two yeah because you right. were saying that book one apparently not too much happens so no, um i believe really doesn't. that no, right. So, yeah, I believe the director, Kenneth Branagh, said, like, oh, well, they've they meshed it together, which quite often happens, you know. It is an adaptation of the books, but I know some of the negativity online has been saying, like, oh, well, this doesn't feel like the books that I've read, and that's where a lot of the disappointments come from. I didn't have that as a, as a yardstick or anything. I just thought it's sci-fi, fantasy, uh, entertainment. I love that kind of stuff. You know, thrill me. Uh, and I think after the first 20 minutes, I, I was bored. I, I wasn't liking uh, any of the characters, to be honest. I just could not get into it. Um, and then I have to say, I, I actually feel quite sorry for Judy Dench. I just want to preface that I think she's one of the finest, finest actresses that uh, has come from any generation out of our country. I love it a bit. But unfortunately, with Cats as well, she seems to have had a couple of roles where instead of being on a, a live set or a stage with actors she can look at and, and props and things around her, um, both films are heavily reliant on CGI. I mean, in Cats, it's like 95% of it was CGI. And in this film, in Artemis Fowl, in the scenes where um, uh, because, uh, the uh, sorry, just backtrack on myself here a little bit, the older Artemis Fowl has been telling the young, his son, the younger lad, for years about this uh, mystical realm of fairies and goblins and, and dwarves and all kinds of mystical creatures that have been hidden from humanity and he's never believed it his dad goes missing and he goes off on this adventure to get this MacGuffin called the oculus and he teams up with an actual fairy called holly short what's the uh, MacGuffin? oh what sorry what's a MacGuffin? well a MacGuffin, a, a, a thing an object that the hero has to chase after and yes it may have power it may have it, it's not really that's all, that's all i needed i just wanted clarity never heard the word Oh, probably right, wouldn't yeah. ever use it, but I liked it. Good. Yeah, it, it's, bas- it's basically a plot device just to get the characters going from location A to location B. That's another criticism I have of it. The film just seems to take place in two locations. It doesn't feel like a worldwide adventure. It's either at the Artemis Fowl mansion or at this underground city called Haven City. And that's where Judy Dench turns up. Um, I think she really doesn't know what she's acting against. And I think that's the problem for both this film and Cats is that I don't think she works good with green screen. I, I struggled with the accent as well. I've got oh, to be the, honest. Well, like, you, mess, you messaged me back and you said 25 minutes in, uh, Judy Dench's accent is awful. Uh, and the I bit think... that did it for me, honestly, was when they had to leave Haven City and go to Fowl Manor. Um, and like they all got there and she like walked out of this ship or whatever and looked at, straight at the camera and went, Top of the morning to you. Oh, and I was like, oh, oh. no. Yeah. Oh, so, what are you doing? Yeah. For those who obviously, I mean, hope, well, I say hopefully some people may have already seen it and know what we're talking about. For those that haven't, yeah, there's a very strong Irish uh, theme throughout the yeah, whole yeah. of this. That was uh, my but, attempt at an Irish accent. So. It was very good. No, it's very good. And you reminded me of that because, yeah, there's very Irishy music, which again, I felt, I felt was almost a bit too like, oh, that's that's just not right. It's almost like, you know, I don't want to use any really tough phrases, but I just felt it was a little bit too corny and cliche for its own good. Yeah. Um, and also too many repeats of things we've seen in other films, uh, you know, like like uh, Josh 
um, Gad's character just looking like a younger Hagrid from Harry Potter for me. Mm. And lots of the set pieces felt very familiar from other films. You know, I mean, Kenneth Branagh, this is a guy who presented Thor to the world and did a really good job with that because he, he gave us that universe. And the Murder on that... the Orient Express as well, last Mur- two years ago. Exactly. Murder on the Orient Express. He just gave us that world and said, if you've never read an Agatha Christie, Christie novel or if you've never read a Thor comic here's this world fully enriched and mm. created for you within the first 10-15 minutes you've got to be you've got to be pulled in and yet after 20 minutes of Artemis Fowl I just felt I've seen all this before this doesn't feel unique it doesn't feel uh, brand new it feels like uh, how I felt with uh, Golden Compass and Aragon two other supposedly yeah. these are the new Harry Potter franchises and as we know they both failed although C- Golden Compass did get a second life on TV with the Dark Materials TV series it was fantastic but they got it wrong in the film and unfortunately with Artemis Fowl I think they've got a lot wrong with this as as someone who's not read the books I was completely devoid of any kind of interest in what was going on um, and and when it got to the end and it does set up a sequel uh, I just I just don't care to see a follow-on and, and I feel that's a shame because maybe if it had been looked at differently a different uh, director different writer it could have been something a bit special and like I said I was very much looking forward to it so it's not like me to be very negative about film you know that you you know what mm. i'm like i do like a lot of stuff which you like my spy sorry you like things like my spy no i don't no you <laughs> no i in fact i came back from the exhibitor screen of that absolutely not liking it i, I was gonna it's, say hey it is so very was... rare it is very very rare for you to not like a film though exactly yeah but, I, but the thing is I'm, i always believe in being honest you know there's no point um the line to myself about it or lying to anyone else and, and you know part of our job is to speak to distribution and of course i would never berate a film to a distributor but we we all have terminology and words that we use to say well it's not my cup of tea and as you've often um you know wound me up about i have a phrase that i've been using for basically 15 years my favorite say, phrase that yeah you where i say like i personally didn't like it but i think that it will find an audience and that's what i often say to a distributor and i mean yeah. it, i do mean it sincerely because just just because i didn't like artemis fowl i mean um i know he gets a lot of mentions on this podcast but isaac from sheffield he did mention that he watched it with his brother during the week and he said that he really enjoyed it so but then this is the gentleman who has phantom menace as his all-time favorite star wars film um <laughs> but again respect to you isaac you know uh you, if you enjoyed it and you got a lot out of artemis fowl and you're looking forward to the sequel then great and if anyone else has listened to this and think well i'm still going to give it a, a shot then you know maybe you go to it with less expectation and you might enjoy it you know, and let us, let us know what you think as well guys if you please if do. you watch armas please do you know email me and tris and just let us know what you thought of it um yeah. it can this... be a one-liner or it can be a you know a paragraph we don't mind go yeah. go crazy just let us know what you thought and this one i really would like us to try and get like a percentage gauge just to see what the cine family think of this film because of course it was going to be a big summer template film from disney up until obviously what happened with the quarantine so um we would love to know your thoughts on this one please let us know actually not had too many emails this week tris um and mm. i think part of that is because we are Um, putting these episodes out on a weekly basis and people are trying to catch up a little bit. So like you said earlier, we are going to have a week off. Um, But one of the emails that we did have this week uh, was from Claire at Paul. Um, And what she said to us is similar to what a lot of other people had asked. And uh, everyone hopefully by now will have noticed that we've not gone into a desert island film section. Um, And that's because Claire said to us, when are you going to give us your desert island films? And to answer you, Claire, Today is that day. Tris and I are going to do our Desert Island films for you guys. Um, It's a horrendous question to ask first and foremost, but we have racked our brains. And Tris, I will leave it over to you to go first. 
give us your Desert Island Films three to one. Okay, right. Well, this is yeah, almost the as Claire Bins I think mentioned, almost like an impossible task. Um, because mm. you know, we've been chatting about it over the last few weeks, and <clears throat> I could quite easily do a top ten out of every genre, and probably, and all of those would be, in my opinion, absolute quality films. But the the rules are simple: it's three films on a desert island you're stuck with for forever i assume um, I, think, so, I think it is forever yeah, yeah. okay forever well let, let's just say or, or to the end of your natural days sort of thing so yeah i've been, I've been thinking about this and there have been some absolutely cracking choices over the last few weeks from our, our guest stars and i do feel like well if, if it was me let's take the parameter of it's three films that you're going to watch over and over again so what i've picked are the three my three favorite films to to have the, that re-watch value that's the criteria i decided to put into this these are the three films i've already seen hundreds of times but i could happily watch them again and again and the key thing for me is i can never get bored with these films so that's what i've chosen ask me on another day it could be a completely different top three like miss bin said so at number mm. three the first film is from 1991 and it's terminator 2 judgment day which okay. for me is still possibly the greatest action movie ever made. Uh, it's one of those rare beasts that is actually a sequel that is better than the original. And that's saying a lot because the Terminator means a heck of a lot to me as well. Uh, that was a film I saw when I was a teenager on VHS. <clears throat> Maybe I wasn't quite 18, but I absolutely adored it. I loved it. Uh, the whole sci-fi time travel thing, the cyborg sent from the future to kill the mother of the resistance fighter who is going to then do great things in the future. Absolutely brilliant that's a great thing about t2 is the fact that the time travel mechanics work you've got yeah. arnold schwarzenegger at the height of his popularity uh, yeah. in 91 uh he's brilliant in it i mean um not many people think of him for his comedy he's actually a very naturally talented very funny guy uh three years prior he'd been in twins with danny devito which was an all out and out comedy and was great but in this he's actually genuinely funny with his with his cyborg reactions to human situations uh the the, the famous line of hasta la vista baby where he's trying to talk like humans and the little moment where he picks up a baby in a dungaree and it's it's so funny but at the same time he's looking at it and the cyborg's thinking this little thing could grow up into a human male and could build a Skynet and could kill everybody. And it's like, he's just assessing this little baby. But it's a wonderful, funny little moment at the same time being serious. And the film's peppered with stuff like that, as well as some of the best set pieces, which even today, by today's standards, I think uh, still set it apart as a great action film. So um, sorry to Terminator, yeah. but Terminator 2, I can watch over and over and over again. And it's a good, good first choice, Tris. Good first yeah, choice. Yeah, and I take it's one you've seen, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no? definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, cool. So uh, my second one, uh, I know for a fact that you've seen this, Stu, because it's one of the few films that we both agree on is absolutely superb. Uh, at number two from 1986, it's Transformers the movie. Yes. This is the animated film uh, that uh, very famously featured uh, the last vocal recording of Orson Welles before he uh -huh. unfortunately passed on. Uh, he provides the voice of the main uh, protagonist, Unicron. Unicron in the film. Um, and it's great. It, at the time when this came out, it was set in the future in the year 2005. Um, the Autobots and Decepticons are still not getting along. Their civil wars getting even worse. Earth's caught in the middle. Uh, and what was great about this is you had all the characters from the TV series that was too 
two seasons uh, a bit had a two seasons by then but introduced all these new characters uh, like Hot Rod and Springer and the first female Transformer RC and yeah. in the space of 86 minutes again this is complete opposite to Artemis Fowl you, you're just so into that universe and you learn who the new characters are very quickly and you like them very quickly and even the big bad Megatron gets into something new and he's voiced by star trek legend leonard nimoy and even you love him by the end of the film uh, such great uh, animation it's japanese animation uh with a brilliant cast because you've not only got awesome wells in there you've also got like judd nelson who's famous from like breakfast club and all those other kind of films in there uh and incredible, uh, incredible soundtrack as well just i have to point out yeah the, um, the soundtrack's legendary with stan bush providing yeah, two songs yeah Dare the and touch and the touch, of yeah. course, yeah. Uh, but also, you have one of you the got the touch. Oh, he's singing. <laughs> you got the can. power. Proper <laughs> big Buffon eighties yeah. and music. Oh crap! You know what? I want to go and watch. The... Can we just end this? I want to go watch the film. Um, but also, you had like a yeah from Monty Python. You had Eric Idle as well present uh, doing one of the voices of a very weird character called Retgar. Absolutely fantastic. It's 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 funny. It, the music's great. The animation's just fantastic to watch. And as people may have already sussed out on these podcasts, I am a bit of a geek. I'm a big Transformers fan. And uh, yeah, for me, the just a bit. Yeah, just a bit. And for me, this is still the best Transformers film. Uh, I've obviously I've watched the Bay Verse versions, and some are good, some are bad. Better than the me, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, oh yeah, the Dark <laughs> Side of the Moon. I I, th- I think I have exalted that a couple of times actually that's a really good film to watch in 3d but uh nothing comes close to transformers the movie but as i said a couple of weeks ago Stu, they are working on a new animated sequel yeah. and so hopefully that's going to be, be amazing. Uh, yeah hopefully that's going to be amazing so that's my number two choice and then number one and over the years this really hasn't changed it's always going to remain my number one film and i can watch it at the drop of a hat and still enjoy it like i did when i first saw it when i was 12 from 1984 Ghostbusters, and I clarify that it's 1984 Ghostbusters, not the one from 2016. Not the um, Melissa McCarthy one, right? Not you the Melissa love, McCarthy you do love one. Her now. That no, no. Just because I enjoyed um, Life of the Party doesn't mean that I changed my opinion on that film from four years ago. Love um, is love. <laughs> not in this case not with mccarthy um for me ghostbusters just I, I guess it was the age i was that just captured my imagination uh the spiritual world uh it was an action adventure it was some of the big names in comedy at the time bill murray is just an absolute legend but also harold ramus and uh, i knew dan Aykroyd from the uh, blues brothers film uh rick moranis was great and of course sigourney weaver trying her hand at comedy for the first time very famous for serious roles and alien of course but uh yeah ghostbusters is just so gentle genuinely funny and even after all these decades like over 35 years i still find it funny uh i still get a little bit freaked out when the library grows transforms and shows her skeletal form and the three of them run out like like big chickens you know um and the effects the visual effects actually still stand up even today i feel um uh, yeah the pterodons are stop motion and you can tell it's stop motion now it's not cgi but the streams they, you know, when they're using their proton pipes, that still looks pretty darn sweet. And I, I'd say in 2016, it looked like a step back for me. So, um, but yeah, Ghostbusters is my all-time number one film. That will never change. Uh, and I could happily watch that over and over again on a desert island. So, uh, so what do you think? Um, I, I, I would have to say to you that that is the first top three desert island films that I have seen all of them. Yay! <laughs> well, they're they're old enough, aren't they? <laughs> and no Gladiator. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I know. In the top ten, but... we were going for the three in a row of having Gladiator as number one, but sadly <laughs> not. 
Uh, oh, that means that maybe you don't have Gladiator in yours then, perhaps. So, uh, uh, okay, so that's mine, Stu. I'm really intrigued. What's your top three, mate? Well, for a very long time, I just want to point this out very, very early. The notebook would have always found a place in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have to say that having thought about it for a very long time, I think it's important that, A, you can have films that you can watch over and over again, but it's also very important that you have different genres in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the notebook, unfortunately, would not be in my top three. <gasps> but wow, it, it would have been fourth. If, it was, if I was allowed a fourth, it would have been fourth. But yeah. I'm not. So, you know, such is life. So we'll, we'll, we'll move past that. Um, but my number three film uh, will be a comedy, uh, and it's Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, just, you know, when that came out, I just remember watching it. I remember re-watching it. I remember going uh, around my friends' houses and we would watch it. We would all (laughs) sit there. We would quote it. And it's just so funny. And Mm. you can watch it now and it's still hilarious. Like there's so many funny bits in it. And I still think, you know, for a comedy that was made when it was, for it to still be funny now is incredible. And no, I won't talk about the sequel because we pretend that didn't exist. Yeah, or but, the prequel as well. No, uh, true. But, <laughs> but Kerry and Daniels in that are just so close to comedy perfection for me. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that was when Kerry was also at the height of his powers because Ace Ventura, of course, yeah. like the year before. And, uh, you know, he would be then in a Batman film. But Jeff Daniels is the revelation in that because he was oh, a serious yeah. actor who just showed these comedy chops. And he's he's just hilarious. That. That's a quality one, mate. Uh, was a 94, 95, I think, that came out in the UK, yeah. but a 94 film. So, uh, nice. Really so good. That, that would be the first choice. So, comedy okay. film, absolutely nailed in there. Second one's a superhero film, which <clears throat> people tend to think that I'm a big blockbuster fan, which is accurate. I, I really am. But there are a couple that I would not say uh, that would still find themselves quite high up there. But this one is a blockbuster. Um, and you would think that, with Avengers, Endgame, and Infinity War, they were both brilliant. But this one, and also Spider-Man Two, the original one with Tobey Maguire. But uh, my number two film is The Dark Knight. Oh, now right. the, the Dark Knight. I remember I had just started at Cineworld mm-hmm. um, film team, and <laughs> Roy Gower at the time, our head of film, was over in Cannes. I think it was Cannes, or it was Cine Europe, one of them, and he messed just walked out of a i've just finished watching a film that was absolute perfection and roy wasn't the sort of person who would kind of throw that around and you know he said dark knight is honestly perfection and i remember going to watch it in imax on the opening weekend and it just blew my mind like you know i think it's incredible heath ledger in it is absolutely insane um you know it's just so good, Tris. Like, mm. and the the thing about it is that it goes back to the point that you made about Terminator Two. Batman Begins is good, don't get me wrong, but Dark Knight's a different level. Like, yeah. Dark Knight is an absolute different level, and it's very strange because then when you go on to Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Rises probably dips a little bit, um, and is not quite at that level. But Dark Knight, for me, is the greatest comic book adaptation film that there has ever been and for me it fits in at number two on my list easily that is absolutely easily that is a quality statement as well that's that's great but 
fan, fantastic choice. Actually, uh, I remember that because didn't Roy say that it was the best film he'd seen in like 10 years? Something like that. Yeah, yeah because yeah. because Roy was like, for those who uh, may never have worked with Roy, because he did leave us in 2014 on to other ventures, um, he, he was one of those, he would not be as hyperbolic as films as we are, you know. He'd often come out of screenings and pretty much nine times or even ten times out of ten, oh, Roy, what did you think of that? It was all right. <laughs> That's exactly what he used to say. That's exactly yeah, what he used to say. It was all. Everything was all right. But he was genuinely blown away by mm. Dark Knight. And and I'm sure there are many people who are probably nodding right now and agreeing with you, going, "Yeah, best superhero film ever ever made." So, um, yeah, quality shout. Um, wow. How well this is the thing now. What could possibly be number one? Well, I, if I told it's not the Notebook. What could be number one? Well, I told you a few weeks back that I was a big big fan of uh, inspirational sports movies and this one is one of those uh, that I remember really not having any ideas about it and I think I was working at Weymouth at the time I was a manager and a print came in and it was back in the days where we had 35 mil prints and they used to be made up and uh, my projectionist at the time said oh do you fancy just previewing this tonight um, so that we can make sure it's all right, which is what we had to do back in the day. I'm sure yeah. many of the people listening will will know that. Um, and it was Remember the Titans. And ah. I watched that film and it blew me away. It was just incredible. And I, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest American football fan in the world. I'm, I'm really not. Um, but the film itself just covers, um, you know, racial equality uh so well and it just shows what life was like back then in the i think it's in the late 60s um Mm. and it shows these communities coming together to build this you know american football team that just do go on to do incredible things and it's obviously led by a stellar cast denzel washington is obviously in it um a very young ryan gosling is in it as well actually um but denzel really Mm. steals the show um as coach boone and yeah he is so good in it. The film itself is incredible. It's got moments in it where, you know, they're losing and in the last minute they win. It's, I could watch that film over and over again. And like you said with Ghostbusters, I think it's testament to a film that if you can just put it on and you could watch it every two weeks or every, you know, it doesn't, you, there are some films that you watch and you're like, do you know what? If I don't see that for 10 years or 15 years, it really isn't going to be the end of my life. But mm. with this film, I have to watch it every year. Like, oh. I have to. Um, it's a film that, you know, I, I always watch. And it's absolutely my number one film of all time. And it, I don't think that that will ever change. Um, you know, I really don't. So it deservedly sits at number one. And you have a great, you know, you have my inspirational sports movie at number one. I have my superhero film at number two. And I have my comedy at number three. And that would, I would survive just watching those three films the rest of my life. So that's why they're my number three. Uh, well, that's that's a fantastic top three, mate. I'm, I'm, I, I think you've outdone yourself. And looking at mine, I mean, hey, you know, I've got a, a comedy, sci-fi, uh, I've got an animated film, and I've got an, the all-time best action movie, in my opinion, as well. So, um, 
Yeah, but like I say, we, we could have done various uh, other top threes as well, I think, uh, on this. So, um, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And I, I don't know how our, our guest uh, speakers each week have, have, have come to their top threes. Uh, I like Cases last week where he had 25th Hour in there. That was a wonderful uh, little film to sort of throw in there, which I'm sure a lot of other people may have never seen, like yourself, or not even think to put in there. But to Casey, it really means something. So, uh, yeah. And again, we, we'd like to just reiterate to everybody out there, please, you know, if you want to share your all-time top three your desert island films send them through to us uh to both myself and to Stuart. um as we keep saying we've got now like a two weeks until we do another one of these recordings so hopefully we can come back with a lot of top threes and share them uh, with the Sydney family because uh, i bet there's some absolutely wonderful little choices out there so if anyone wants to get in touch with us uh, as always please do drop us an email let us know your top threes let us know what you thought about Miss Fowl uh, or anything really please do just contact us uh, on stuart.crane at cineworld.co.uk almost forgot my own email address uh, and then tristian.cooper at cineworld.co.uk also Trist feel a little bit neglected this week have to be honest and say disappointed that Middlesbrough haven't sent us any emails uh, I don't know how you feel about that yeah, I, I noticed that. Um, I, I, I don't know if the, the guys have just got nothing to email us about or, or, or if maybe somebody was designated, someone knew and they forgot. So, uh, yeah, Team Middlesbrough and, in fact, all the teams out there, you know, please feel free to drop us a line. Uh, as Stu mentioned earlier, didn't get too many um, th- um, emails from people uh, this week. And uh, we'd just love to hear from you. We want some a, a little bit more interaction and we just want to see what you've been watching and, and talking about films. So uh, if you've got some thoughts, drop them on an email, send them through to us and uh, we'll share them in a couple of weeks time please do uh tris over to you give us some film news from the past week all right okay well i've only got three little bits this week the first one is actually quite a big thing uh it was announced uh, i think earlier this week i spotted it that the oscar ceremony is moving next year uh usually held around february march time it's now moving to april 25th 2021 uh, i guess this is just to give uh, uh the chance for more film uh, to have a little bit of a run and have more um, films for the Academy to, to vote on in all their categories. So uh, shifting by an entire two months is quite a big step. No news yet on the Golden Globes or the BAFTAs. Usually Globes are in January, BAFTAs are a week or two before the Oscars, but I would imagine they will both move as well. So the uh, awards ceremony potentially taking place, um, sorry, the awards season taking place sort of March, April of next year. Uh, now, in terms of new films being made, uh, I know we've reported on a couple of things but this week it has been confirmed that two big ones for 2021 are getting back underway in the next week or two first of all uh, jurassic world dominion the third film in that mini franchise within the bigger jurassic uh, franchise is going to restart film production at the end of this month right here in the uk uh when um, the whole covid19 thing happened and we went into lockdown they were four weeks into a 20-week shoot they now spend a lot of money at pinewood studios here in the uk to put all new safety procedures in place which is great for that production but also for any other film productions that are going to start coming back in the next few weeks and few months. Uh, they're going to get back to some kind of normality and keep those films being made and created. Um, Jurassic World Dominion still in line for a uh, summer June 2021 release. And also, uh, Mr. Tom Cruise is back in the country. Yay! Ooh. 
but you may have to squint to, to find the little fella because uh, he snuck back into the country a couple of Sundays ago, just before the government put in this whole two-week quarantine to anyone from outside the UK flying in. Uh, they have to go through 14 days. He came back in on the Sunday before that was implemented. Uh, they've now scouted locations for Mission Impossible 7 to resume filming again in the next week or two around the UK. Lots of secret locations have been found, and that is still set for a November 2021 uh, 2021 release. Uh, oh, go ahead, Ken. Let's speak. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that I'm going to rest my uh, mouth and not actually talk uh, for the next two weeks, too. Uh, final bit of news this week is actually something that's been uh, rumoured about for years, but uh, it's it's resurfaced this week. Ridley Scott is apparently working on a script for a sequel to Gladiator, uh, the number one choice, of course, of many of our Desert Island film guest stars. Uh, there has been, like I say, this rumour for years, and it seems it's gathering a little bit more traction as Scott himself has confirmed that he's got the idea, he's pulling the script together, he wants to work on the sequel, he's completely up for it. And, of course, he, you know, he's the director, he's the creative force. Uh, apparently the story, although there aren't too many details, it's going to focus on uh, Lucius, the son of Lucilla, who was played by Connie Nielsen in the original Gladiator, and he's set about 25 years after the first film now the big question and the big reveal is that apparently uh, Russell Crowe is somehow going to be involved now again Stu we don't want to spoil films that are 20 years old but you know mm. if you've seen Gladiator you might know that Maximus's story kind of ended there so how would he be involved? Maybe it's flashback scenes or maybe Scott's got this really crazy idea. But he said in an interview in 2017, I know how to bring him back. I know how to make it work. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, but I just need to get the script together and get it and get it put together as a as a proper manuscript and then start working on it. So obviously Crow's 20 years older now. And if it is set 25 as a 25 years in the future it'll be interesting to see how maximus is involved but apparently the storyline would follow lucius and whether he would turn out as a, a young man to be like his father uh, sorry like maximus or like commodus who of course was brilliantly played by Joaquin phoenix so um is that exciting you Stu, that gladiator 2 may be that one step further to being a reality um i mean you never know with these type of films they if it's done right and it's good, then yes, but sometimes mm. they do make these sequels and they just are unnecessary when, I guess, a film like Gladiator was so close to perfect anyway. Yeah. So yeah. you just don't want it tarnished by a poor sequel, but you never I, know. I must say, as a, as a big Ridley Scott fan of his work, although it wasn't him who directed it, Blade Runner 2049 was a very good, very strong, solid sequel to the original Blade Runner. I know Blade Runner is not exactly your favourite film. I personally love that sequel. So I think if Ridley Scott does it right, and the fact that it's taken all these years to gestate and he wants to get it right, I think that bodes well. Uh, that's That's my take anyway. Don't don't well, rush yeah. it. Let yeah, it be another five it. years, you know. No, you know exactly. Let it be another five years and then come out with a cracking follow-up that, that, like you say, is worthy of being made and isn't just the cash-in. So, yeah, absolutely. For the, re for the, for the record, Blade Runner's rubbish. <laughs> um, so, just uh, going off the back of something you said, the BAFTAs had moved. Um, the BAFTAs, sorry, you said the Oscars had moved. The BAFTAs oh, they have, have moved as well. So, they are actually now... Yeah, they're the 11th of April, 2021. Fantastic. So, they... They've moved two months as well. So that almost brings an end to the podcast for this week. Uh, I guess the final thing for us to talk about, Tris, is, is football. <laughs> uh, the Premier League obviously came back uh, last night. Um, and over the next six weeks, there is football, football, football. Um, we're not going to talk about it too much, don't worry. Uh, but uh, what are your hopes and, uh, hopes and dreams for it, Tris? You're a Sheffield United fan. 
Uh, have you got a chance of making uh, the top four? It's it's a possibility. Uh, I mean, last night was not the greatest start. Uh, we played Aston Villa. There was uh, controversy, uh, not actually involving VAR, but that like that plagued us at the start of the season. But uh, yeah, there was a lack of VAR. There was uh, a moment where a free kick was taken. The keeper, the Aston Villa keeper, fell into the goal, holding the ball. It went over the line. Those kind of things are given all the time. But for some reason, the Hawkeye technology that looks at the goal line just didn't activate or didn't register it. And then the... I know why it didn't get oh, you given, know... Tris. I got first... Yeah, I was given first-hand oh. information. So last night, the person that was in charge of the Sheffield VAR... Wednesday fan. Uh, ...was actually... <laughs> No, it was Julie Dench, and she was so shocked at the uh, review that you've given of Artemis Fowl. She went, absolutely no chance. That's a goal. So I'm just saying, mate. Be careful. Okay. All say. right. Well, lesson learned. Lesson learned. So great. Artemis Fowl, 10 out of well, 10. Let... We'll see what happens against Newcastle <laughs> well, maybe on you'll... Sunday. Yeah, good luck with that one. I mean, look, anyone that is a football fan, good luck this weekend and good luck over the next six weeks. Uh, it is nice to have a little bit of sport back uh, and also we're getting ever closer to the film's opening. So like we keep saying, we're having a week off next week, but we will back in two weeks. So from myself, thank you for listening. As always, stay safe. Keep watching films. Uh, yeah, to all of you out there, if you aren't football fans, we're sorry about this, but if you are a football fan with the Premier League and Championship both resuming this week, good luck to all your respective teams. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get to see some games and I hope you get some scores. Unless you're playing against Sheffield United, in which case we want to be in Europe next year. So please go easy on us. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Watch films. Enjoy the sport. Be nice. Be excellent to each other. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.